Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 8.55 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Hi, you're listening to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Today on the show, we are interviewing our Brainwaves volunteer, Terry, and we're joined by Marnie and Alana. Terry Dry is a member of Brainwaves and is also a member of the Speakers Bureau for Wellways Australia, a volunteer worker at the DAC Centre and is a retired teacher. In June this year, Terry went to London to present her lived experience of mental illness to the House of Lords. So we're just going to be interviewing Terry about her experience going overseas and a little bit about what her presentation was like. So firstly, Terry, um, can you just tell us a little bit of House of Lords and what they actually do in Parliament? Okay, well, thanks for the question and I'll do my best to answer. <laughs> I do know that when I was first invited, I thought, oh, my God, I can't do that. No way. It took me another two weeks to keep thinking about it and a bit more encouragement. And so as soon as I got to London, I made my way to a tour of the Houses of Parliament and I learned that the British parliamentary system is the oldest in the world. And it really is a very impressive place because it's been built up over a thousand years. Really, really impressive and very beautiful in many ways, even though women have been excluded from um, Parliament for so many of the centuries that Parliament's been in operation. Anyway, the House of Lords was initially a house for people with um, titled positions. And as far as I know, there are still a lot of those there. But the baronesses that I was introduced to um, had both come through the Labor Party and had had a long journey through politics to become part of the House of Lords. And they were recruited because of their expertise in particular areas. Yeah, cool. Uh, How did you become involved in this experience and how were you invited? Yeah, well, it's a circuitous story. Um, At 33, I was an equal opportunity officer on senior management at a TAFE college and I'd done a lot of work in secondary schools about encouraging girls into maths and science, but I didn't know a lot about the law. So I was doing women's studies in the January summer break and I did it with uh, Dr Jocelyn Scott, who at that time was Australia's most well-known feminist barrister. And uh, my mother was dying, so I got to drive Jocelyn because I wasn't sure how much of her course I'd be able to do. And we got talking and I was very inspired by what I learned in that. And I went on to do um, most of a postgraduate diploma in policy and law at La Trobe. 
Now, Jocelyn and I kept in touch on and off over the years. She's now a local councillor at Cambridge in the UK and a professor of law at a, a local university. And uh, she said, you must come over and visit before Brexit. So I said, OK, I'll come over. And I was choosing to go over on a special birthday. Not that she wants that announced very widely. And so I chose the time um, according to certain dates. And she said, by the way, because you're coming, why not speak to this seminar that I auspice at the House of the Lords? And that was how it came about. So she belongs to a network called the Women's History Network. And the particular seminar that she runs four times a year with the House of Lords is through um, women worldwide acting for uh, freedom and equity. And so that was the group that I got into there. And she actually had three other speakers. Um, one was a Somalian, a woman of Somalian heritage who was a lawyer currently studying at London Uni. Uh, another was a Muslim woman active in local politics in Cambridge and another one was a filmmaker from Cambridge very, and then me um, from the Antipodes. Very impressive. Um, so speaking at the House of Lords is so impressive. Um, what was the aim of your presentation and what did you hope to achieve? Well, to be quite honest, I kept discuss trying to raise that with Jocelyn but she's so very, very busy that... Um, she never really gave me any guidance other than I, I think the day before I got to find out who the other speakers were going to be. But I knew she's got a great interest in women having equal access to the workplace. She knew that I'd had a career path that took me through into senior management in TAFE and she knew that um, I'd been unfairly treated at that workplace after four years of being having a very successful career there. So um, I think she was affirming me. Uh, she wanted to bring women into the House of Lords. There's not so many there and hear their stories being spoken. So my story was one of... Uh, working with someone in TAFE who was being harassed and because of the work I did, I was then victimised. Um, but that opened up a Pandora's box for me personally um, at a time when we were in a Liberal government environment at the local, at the Victorian level. And I had a long, long journey um, to come to terms with the repeated rape and torture of my early childhood. So that was sort of a bit of a sequelae to the career path. And it's not unusual. There are a lot of people who may have a history of childhood abuse that they don't um, have to confront until some crisis comes up in their midlife. Heavy. Um, we read um, that the House of Lords has a total of 800 seats. Uh, what was it like for you to present in such a yes. large room? Well, actually, initially I thought, my God, there's no way I can talk to 800 House of Lords reps. And certainly in the, the House of Lords room, I couldn't have said I could be sure that there were 800 seats there. 
So I'm not quite sure where that figure comes from, but maybe when there's a, a full sitting of everyone from Northern Ireland and Wales and Scotland, maybe they, they squeeze them all in. But anyway, I was in a committee room, a very, very large room, and uh, there were about 25 to 30, not, not 800. So it was a, a seminar. It wasn't actually a House of Lords sitting. And unfortunately for me, it was the same day as Grenfell had gone up in fire. So there are a lot of very unsettled people around with um, people still being discovered dead in that building. Um, I personally think talking in front of 30 people is much harder than talking in front of 800 just because it's like more people are engaged. Yes. I felt in school. I felt it was so much harder talking in front of a small classroom than a big assembly. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what did your presentation involve? Like what topics did you cover? Yeah, thanks for that question. That was the hardest part for me, delving into my personal life. So I started off with the fact that I'd been in an accident like my Yorkshire grandfather that had emigrated to Australia. And uh, because of that, my parents weren't happy together, uh, that I was meant to be adopted out. And my mother, at the last minute, um, had to marry in order to keep me, but actually she didn't care about my father. Recipe for disaster. And so I talked about that. I talked about being bashed from the age of three months and, you know, being dragged around by my hair, being hit as a toddler. And then, you know, the rape at uh, about four years of age and, and having a knife at my throat at about three years of age. Um, it was a very, very toxic culture to um, grow up in. And so when I was talking about that, I was using the skills that I'd developed through the Wellways Speakers Bureaus. And um, I talked about the predisposing factors and those were predisposing factors. And then I talked about how there were strengths in my family. They valued education and um, sport. So I did well, mostly, educationally, and I was a state-level swimming and athletic champion. I did everything in my power to, to get some positive recognition from my daddy, you know, who I, I'd sort of hidden away all the really toxic parts that didn't come up till much later in life. There's some very heavy trauma in there in your, your discussion that, that you had in your speech and how was that received by the audience? Well, um, they were actually uh, terrific, I thought. I had an overhead presentation and I did save my life as a little girl by drawing pictures, making it clear that Daddy was sexually abusing me. And that meant that I was sent away. The Catholic primary school picked up on it and I was sent to live with an aunt for a time. And so I'm actually mad about visual information and I had some great drawings that at my little girl, four-year-old level, um, loves. Um, so there's a picture of me with the knife at my throat and I don't draw my hands or my groin area because those parts are all, were all numbed, you know, and it took a lot of therapy to get more in touch with those parts of myself. 
Um, and then later on, as I was becoming more well, I had pictures of my hands and there were these little thought bubbles coming out. Daddy, I love you. Don't do this, Daddy, you know. So that was very evocative and I think it helped people understand what I was talking about. So Terry, um, you've been involved with Wellway Speaker Brew for some time now. Are you able to tell us, um, tell our listeners what the Speakers Bureau is and did it help you prepare for your presentation at all? Yeah, I think it was a terrific um, aid in my presentation. Uh, yeah, I've been with Speakers Bureau for a good 18 months at least and uh, I'm very grateful to the training and the camaraderie that I receive through that. Uh, I put my hand up as a volunteer with Wellways because in my former life as a psychology teacher, my students were always coming back to me with great resources from Wellways. So when I was retired and looking for things to do, they're not too far from where I live. And I've got a lived experience, so it was a good match. And I started off helping on the helpline, which was terrific. And then I moved into the Speakers Bureau and Brainwaves. Um, they're very organised, our wellways, and the training is always very comprehensive. And the format for a presentation is very easy to manage. So you've got a format with the wellways logo. I went in with my brainways t-shirt to the House of Lords. And then I had the Wellways logo and I talked about how it was a community program uh, designed to educate and empower people who've got a lived experience. Um, I would encourage anyone who is interested in pro promoting more information and knowledge around um, people having mental ill health uh, and re recovery processes and opportunities that are there to have a look at Wellways. It's a great organisation. That is so cool, by the way, wearing the Brainwaves t-shirt represent. Absolutely. <laughs> I understand that following your presentation, you were asked some questions. What were some of the questions you were asked? Okay, so um, the first one that I remember was um, being asked about my dad and, you know, did I still have any contact with him? And I said that I had approached him in 2012 when I'd finished... Uh, a long journey of therapy, uh, but that he'd just written back one line to say the past is the past. And as I told the people at the seminar, uh, he knows he's done terrible, heinous crimes. He can never own up to that. And uh, so he just scrubs the past. Uh, he did die last year and neither me or my three brothers even knew that he'd passed away until about 10 days later when we found out by accident. It's a very sad tale because, uh, you know, I do have issues with the Catholic Church demanding that people not use contraception. And my parents were 20 and 23 um, when they got together with me, already born, and then they had another three children. Um, so the first two, uh, there were three in two years and four months, and four in four years. It's too much for a young couple that just weren't ready to take any of that on. And uh, so I've got quite a few 
um, issues with the concept that, that contraception is just not acceptable. You know, I, I encourage anyone to consider that very carefully mm-hmm. in relation to the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, I was also asked about my career and how I'd started out um, with a, a real desire to do something for women and children. My first job was in Centrelink and I used to have these women come in with their bruises their toddlers on one arm and their suitcases in the other and all I could do was give them a cheque and give them the phone number for housing commission and it was at that point that I realised that what had gone on in my family of origin was not unusual and that I wanted to do something to change that. Mm. Now I had a whole year off after I'd done my science degree, travelled around Europe And I decided that teaching could be a way to go. I thought it might be a way to encourage more and more people, particularly girls, to have greater access to the workplace, to good paying jobs, and that would give them more freedom of choice if something went wrong in their intimate partnerships. So it's obvious that you've done a lot to um, share your mental illness and to share your lived experience. Um, What's your step for the future? Yeah, well, that's um, a hard one. I'm always open to uh, talking about it. I particularly uh, am interested in, I guess, talking about the impact of child abuse. Uh, I certainly became a feminist in my 20s and 30s, and I think that's a great... Um, strategy but actually raising healthy children is even a little bit more complicated than equal rights for women because it does take people skills on the parts of parents and all the community and uh, it does take protecting children from danger and we know these days the sort of damage that can be done by child abuse. I hadn't realised till I had my first flashback at 35 when I had the Premier come down to the college I was working at. Um, That night I was feeling very happy and I had a flashback of Daddy orally raping me and that's when I cut off at four. I cut off the feeling part of myself and I didn't know that that's what I'd done until I'd made all sorts of decisions about my life that were based on maybe um, a a somewhat distorted view of the world, a view of um, there being massive danger out there, and there is if you're not protected. But, you know, I can understand that um, I would have liked to have been more in touch with my feelings. I think that's a birthright, and I've had to gradually become more familiar with them over the decades. Mm. And if you were offered another opportunity to speak about your story in Australia or elsewhere, would you consider it? Oh, possibly? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, the framework that I've got through Wellways, I did contact a few people to check it out, but we ran out of time in the end. But I knew that people, a lot of people had seen my presentation anyway, and I wasn't going off that track much. So I figured it would be okay. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, For any of our listeners who want to utilise their lived experience to promote awareness and reduce stigma and and influence the uh, decision makers, uh, what would you recommend they do? 
Well, I think the first thing we all need is to mm, maybe have access to paid work. I think that's pretty important to um, establish our own lives somewhat uh, and then uh, and at the same time uh, find opportunities through community groups um, through I've seen quite a few students in secondary schools come back and talk to students about the path that they've followed and that provides a lot of information to teachers about how to um, do better in handling various situations and um, I think we want to have the message that you can have a fulfilling life even though there's been some very difficult times and starts. I, I did so make that point at the House of Lords that only in Australia do I think I could have got the sort of healing journey, the therapy that was available, and a lot of it covered by Medicare, uh, that that couldn't have happened in a lot of other places. Um, you know, we're lucky uh, yeah. to some extent. One thing's for sure, we definitely need more of you getting their voices out there and being heard. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Terry, for coming on the show today and sharing your experience of talking at the House of Lords. It sounds like it was a really rewarding and um, out of the ordinary experience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as always, if you need any support, feel free to contact Lifeline on 131114 or Wellways Helpline on 1300 and next week we will actually be talking to the Helpline Coordinator from Wellways Australia, Ellie, about the launch of Helpline's Extended Hours and Expansion. You can find more shows of ours at 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves and at brainwaves.org.au or on iTunes. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.